Welcome to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. All right, here we are. Look at me and my... (laughs) Replant boot camp and Bob is looking particularly that is horrendous fine tonight. How you doing on air, Gibble? <laughs> <laughs> that your head orange run? Yeah, it's got you said that's a cookie monster. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> you gotta try the key phrase go tigers, go tigers. Yeah, hey, we are in Kansas City. This is the replant team's year end gathering where we get together and uh, do all kinds of good things, but also talk about the great year that we've had. Yeah, and so it's good to be in Kansas City. So well, on the last episode, episode 13, we mentioned that you and I had a bet yep. on a football game that yep. I had no chance of winning. <laughs> right. But in good faith, I went ahead and bet you. Yep. Because that's what you do. Yeah. And so, sure enough, LSU beats Arkansas like a thousand to nothing. I think we, <laughs> we even had negative points, I think. I'm really. shocked by that. Yeah, it's a snow strike. So, so, the bet was it would be either be me in an LSU pajama top, kind of yep. like that kind of an ensemble. Yep. Or you in a hog hat. hat. And uh, so I still have the hog hat, and there's still hope. There's still hope for, well, maybe 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But here we are, Replant Bootcamp. We are Replant Bootcamp. we got a great guest with us today. Yes. we got Dr. Kyle Bierman with us. So glad to have him here. He's the star of another podcast. He is. Yeah. Much, (laughs) much bigger, much, I mean. International audience. Yeah, we are graced with his presence here. I view this as kind of we're, we're drafting in their behind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There you go. So, One, <laughs> once people hear that we've had Kyle Beerman on the Replant Bootcamp podcast, we might slingshot past them. There you go. For a second. For, yeah. yeah. Then we'll come back. We'll come back in the draft position. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. All right. Well, Kyle, talk to us, man. Tell us a little about uh, who you are and where you serve and, and all those things. Yeah. So, uh, I, well, primarily, I am married to Michelle, and we have two kids, Noah and Haley. Noah is 12, Haley is 10. Uh, pastor at First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, New Mexico, in South Central New Mexico. Uh, and then I work part-time with the replant team. And then full-time with Not Another Baptist yeah, Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's my real job. I just, I have, I have to do other things that pay the bills so that I can do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's, I, I've been listening to Not Another Baptist podcast a lot lately. I really appreciate yeah, what you thanks. guys do, man. It's yeah, we good just, stuff on there. We just passed our two year mark uh, a couple months ago, so it's been fun. I think. Now, how did that start? Um, so it started as a joke. My, d- my, yeah, give us some background on the name. Yeah. So okay. So um, my podcast co-host Matt Hensley moved up to a church about forty miles from us uh, in a little community called Mayhill up in the mountains of, of southern New Mexico, and. Uh, he and I connected and didn't know each other before. No, didn't know each other before. Just, uh, he moved into our a church and our association and, um, we're the same age. So, so we connected and, um, kind of held on to each other for dear life among, um, the other pastors in the association that are not around our age. And so we, we, we kind of, uh, gravitated to one another and we were actually on our way to the Baptist convention of New Mexico's annual meeting a couple of years ago. And just started, I mean, we're talking, you know, life and ministry and just kind of experiences in our churches and kind of started throwing out, hey, what what would it be like if we had basically these same conversations that we're already talking about Um, and just turned a microphone on and recorded it and and turned it into a podcast to see if if it connects with anybody else. 
So we, we kicked around names and I don't exactly know how we settled on not another Baptist podcast other than it was kind of a running joke because there were a dozen or so other podcasts that sure. are just like us. And so, so we named it not another Baptist podcast because it was a running joke. It, kind of, it kind really of like, is just like another, any others. But. Not to say that it's not another Baptist podcast, right. but it is, but it's like, is it, oh, not another Baptist. Yeah, is it yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. So you got to inflect it a little bit. And, and, yeah. and we joked about like building everything up, doing the social media campaign or whatever, and then never releasing an episode because it was not another Baptist podcast. And <laughs> then um, we actually did record it, and uh, it it took off quick. Yeah, for, for the last two years has, has been going, and now we have a few thousand listeners every month, every month I guess. Well, yeah. It, I think the, the variety of guests that you have on just kind of blows me away. Like, yeah. Oh, it blows us away, So too. you get like the big – you get some big heavy hitters in the Baptist yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, we've had we've had all the seminary presidents except for Al Mohler. And you know, for some reason he's he's been the hardest to get, as okay. you might imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. We've had um, we've had JD Greer. The the biggest guest we had recently, I guess, was Andrew Peterson, musician yeah. that Matt yeah. and I just gushed over. I saw him at the worship event. I think we were yeah. all yeah. those for that. Yeah. yeah. So that's been that's been probably the most fun for us is just getting being able to interview some guests and and our big our big running thing was leading up to the eighteen Southern Baptist Convention we were the first podcast that had both J D Greer and Ken Hemphill that's right on oh um, man so we we get some hot we, sports opinions yeah that's that. right there you go <laughs> there you yeah, yeah. now have you had um, I know that T B R which you're an admin yes. for on Facebook yeah. and, and some of our listeners are probably uh, yeah in the Baptist TBR, Review yeah Baptist Review so um, have you had Wiley Drake on? Because he is mentioned. We have tried to get Wiley. <laughs> we have not like? been successful. Is he like the but, unattainable? Yes. Like, yes. Okay. So, so if there's Al Mohler, then, um, then, then, yeah, Wiley, Wiley is right above that. Well, Cal, you, uh, you have had particular experience with uh, something I think a lot of guys that go into replants, revitalizations, struggling churches have that can be distracting. That can keep you from uh, focusing on ministry. Debt. Yep. Uh, so I don't know the whole story. Not uh, personal debt. Not personal, no, 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 not personal debt. Thankfully, <laughs> a lot of times you go to a dying church, and I imagine in a struggling church, debt feels like an albatross around your neck. Yeah. Uh, because not only do you have to notice, you know, maybe numbers are what not what you want them to be, but you go, I mean, are we going to get foreclosed on? Yeah. How do we? So tell us a little bit about the situation you walked into at First Baptist Alamogordo. So I moved to First Baptist Alamogordo in March of 2016. And it's at the end of 2015 when I first started having conversations about First Baptist Alamogordo. The person who asked me if I was interested in that was gracious enough to lay everything out on the table and tell me exactly what I would be walking into. And, and that was um, a church that at the time had about 50 people and about $900,000 in debt. So give us a backstory on that. How did how so, does a church of 50 people get $900,000 well, in debt? Oh, yeah, so uh, when they took on the debt, they, they were about 200 to 250 people. And I did the math there. real quick. That's yeah. $18,000 yeah. per person. Yeah, so I mean, that's a, that's a new car for every person, right? So in 2008, uh, I believe, um, at that point, First Baptist Alamogordo was running 200, 250 people or so. And, and the pastor at the time, had this vision to sell the, the current downtown property and move to the north side of, of Alamogordo, which was uh, kind of where nothing was moving that way yet, but that was kind of the projected, this is where things are going to grow eventually. Is that where things have grown? 
now they're starting to. Okay. So 10 years later, okay. 10, 12 years later, they're, they're so starting he had, to. So he had a forward vision. It he, was just he did. very forward. Yeah, very forward. Super um, forward. And, well, and, and keep in mind, I mean, so this is 07, 08 when he's first doing this. So this is right before the housing market. Yeah. Yep. Where everything yep. changed, right? So at the time, it, that, that was probably where the plans were to move. Yeah, the, the church purchased $1.1 million uh, of, of land, which was 23 acres, um, two, two tracts of land. And uh, there's a whole other story in there that because that, there was some land thrown in that wasn't initially part of it. Anyway, the, the point is they ended up with 23 acres and $1.1 million. Now, at the time, they had pledges to cover all the debt. So they did a pledge campaign, and they, right. had, they had the pledges to cover cover yeah. the, the yeah. mortgage payment, right? So, I mean, it seemed like a great idea at the time. And then uh, fast forward three years or so, and, and the, the story that I've received is that at that point, the pastor's vision changed. And, and rather than selling the, the current property and moving to this new land that they purchased, he, he began to develop this idea that they were going to become a church without walls. And so the idea was we're going to unload all of our property. And we're going to go meet in school, which. So the $1.1 million is just for land. Just for dirt. Yes. There, there's no building on no. the dirt for $1.1 no. million. No, that is just dirt. Just a key for those of us who are, or those of our listeners who are playing at home. It's probably good if you're a pastor, you have some vision to have some others who are helping you. Yes. Think through that yeah. vision. Continue yeah. the story. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so like I said, about three years later, like the, the pastor's vision took a 90 degree turn. And, and just started um, saying, okay, let's sell all of our property, this land we just bought that, you know, we, we sold the vision on the, the down, our downtown property and let's go meet in a school, which, I mean, I'm sure we all know church planners that have met in schools, yeah. um, but, but that's one thing. It's another to take a 110 year old downtown yeah. First Baptist Church and say, we're going to go meet in, in a school. And, yeah. and that vision shift was, was too much. Over the course then of about a year, there, there was turmoil in the church and, and conflict and um, things blew up, and and finally, in the end, uh, the church went from around 200 to about 60, 70 people. Wow. R- really, in the course of about a month, six weeks, what was that? Was that still had the downtown campus? Still had the downtown had campus. The land. Still had the land. And so, you know, three years earlier, you you had the pledges to cover all of the all of that debt. Right. Yeah. And when people left, their their pledges went with them. So I know there was kind of that, that feeling, maybe in the early days of some animosity of these folks did this, and they made this pledge, and then they're gone. Um, but the flip side of that was these, these folks who had made these pledges felt very deceived in the way everything went down yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, the remaining 60, a, and, I mean, all, well, everybody, so everybody but, yeah, everybody. But, um, and so, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings. There was a lot of animosity. And I mean, a church that was just in shreds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in 2011. Um, and then they were pastorless for uh, lead pastorless uh, for five years until you got they, they, Yeah, they, they, they were in an interim time and then our state convention came in and, and did some revitalization work, but, right. but they did not have a, a leader. So what year did you show up? Uh, March of 2016. So 2016, you come in to $900,000 in debt. 60 people. Yeah. 60 people that has been essentially without a leader for five years. Yeah. That's a tough job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that the only place that would hire you? Or... (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a valid question. Um, No. So, so ironically, um, man, I was serving a church that I loved and I was happy. And I mean, we were maybe feeling a little restless, but yeah. not um, like we had to get out. 
And this, this position, this position was brought to me. Um, church was, was mentioned to me. And yeah, and I remember, you know, just talking with my, my wife, Michelle and saying, um, I, you know, we, we don't really have a reason to leave and this doesn't make any sense. Man, I feel like this is like where we're supposed to go. And yeah, um, yeah. so note the call, like the internal wrestle and yeah. the call oh, of the planter. Yeah. Right? Well, you got to be called to that. Yeah. It, it yeah. takes a unique, I mean, to be a replanter, you're either a little bit mentally unstable. Yeah. <laughs> I think you are. Absolutely. You are. Absolutely. And that might just be a given. There's, it's a given. There, there's uh, a whole it, lot of faith and maybe a little bit of craziness. Yeah. Too. But, and, no, yeah it's, it's a crazy and, call to do something but, like because that. Because we were serving a church of, of between 60 and 75 people. Um, Student pastor? No, as, as, as pastor. Okay. Right. In, a, in a rural area, um, living in a parsonage with no debt, uh, personal or, or church-wide. I mean, uh, it wasn't. We weren't blowing the doors off the church, but the things were going well. Sure. Yeah. Um, been there at that point three and a half years and was we're happy. And um, then this thing came along and just turned our world upside down. So you feel called. You show up. Yeah. And, and we and we we bought a house. So we put down roots. Yes, exactly. Going in, I said okay. um, for for a couple of reasons. Um, I I knew personally if if I had an out after a year or 18 months, um, it would be really easy to, wow. to, to burn ships and run, right? Wow. I'm, hey, our lease is up, now, now's the time to go. And, but also as a, as, a, as a symbol to the church that, I mean, we're here, right? Mm-hmm. We're, I mean, we're, we, don't have, we don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. We don't have anything right. to fall back on. I mean, we're all we're buying a house, yeah, we're all in. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess if the, if the ship goes down, we're going down with the ship. I mean, laying everything we had on the line and, I mean, really throwing ourselves on, on God's mercy and right. saying, if, if you're going to do something here, right. we, we want to be a part of it. And there's no, back in, there, there's no going back. So what's the budget look like when you, ro- when you roll up into a $900,000 debt, 60-member church? How much is going to debt? So how much do you have for ministry? Um, we have we, – we worked out a deal with uh, – so the, the loan was with our – Church Finance Corporation in, in New Mexico. State convention. So it, it was at okay. the time, yeah, it was part of the state convention. So you have a hostile lender, you have right, right, a, fr- a friendly lender, okay. and who who had a ministry vision as well. When when I got there, we were doing a revitalization program with the Baptist Convention in New Mexico, and they were providing salary support. So for the first year, half of my salary was covered through this revitalization Great. fund through our state convention. Okay. Um, and then the um, Church Finance Corporation was working with us because the, the full payment on the, on the loan was something like $6,000, $6,500, something like that. So the basis, um, is that all you're giving a month, right? That's yeah, pretty much. yeah, pretty much. So um, they, we worked out a deal with them where we were paying, for a long time the church paid interest only. Okay. We had a school meeting in the facility, which was uh, kind of a double-edged sword because yeah. it brought in some income, but it also meant there was a whole lot of wear and tear on the building. Yeah, right. Um, and so we've, over the last three, three and a half years, we, we've grown. We've grown financially. We've grown numerically. The school moved out this last summer into their own spot. So we lost. That was, at the time, that was $3,300 a month. Then we went back to the table with our, with our lender and were able to renegotiate what we were paying because we lost $3,300 a month, but also began showing them how our giving was improving. We've slowly, every year, we've, we've come, we've reduced the amount that we were getting in salary support and our budget for 2020 we're actually going completely off of that. Wow. And so three and a half years later, you know, when I got there in 16, half of my salary was paid by state convention. And we had 
a significant amount coming in every month from the school. So now three and a half years later, going into 2020 budget, we're going to be completely self-sustaining. I mean, first time in years. So <laughs> tell, talk about the mindset of uh, the people when you've got some people who love the church mm-hmm. and are like, man, we, we're in a, we're in a tight spot. We're in a bad place. We've got to figure something out. Um, like, can you, can you describe the mindset of the people and then how you lead people to stay positive? Okay, God's with yeah. us. He's, he's going to do something here, et cetera. Like, cause, yeah. cause that's a tough uh, one. So there's a core of probably of 20 to 25 people that have been there through everything. Right. So when, so when I got there, I mean, we had, we were in between 50 to 60 on a regular Sunday morning, about 20 of those had been there from the very, from the time the land was purchased in 08. So there was a core of about 25 people that just, I mean, hung on like with this, with this white knuckled grip of, you know, we're, we're going to see this thing through because everything had been discussed, right? Or, if, or should we close our doors? You know, should we, should we just sell everything? Uh, I, everything had been discussed through, through the, the process. Um, and and there, the core said, no, we, we really feel like God has placed this church here for a purpose and he's not done with this yet. And, and through all the struggles, the Lord had never abandoned them. So there was always that mindset of the Lord has been faithful, even in the middle of, of really hard struggles. And so we're not going to give up. I mean, our prayer was, man, I remember moving there. My prayer was, all right, Lord, just like send us a young family, right? Like, like, yeah. I, so, uh, Alan let us eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Alamogordo is a military community. Okay. Alamogordo Air Force Base is there. That, that's the, the, the big thing that kind of sustains the, the community. And so I remember going down there and just praying, Lord, like, just send us an Air Force couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't get on base. Like, I don't even know how to start building these relationships. So now we're going to update our website and, and put stuff on social media and just send to somebody. And so our first Sunday there, there was one young couple mm-hmm. who, who came. Praise God. And, and we had a couple that, that, would, that would come occasionally. We, we got a lot of, in that first year and a half, a lot of, Kyle, man, we, we see what you're doing here. We love it but we're only in town for a year mm-hmm. and we don't, we don't, we don't have the energy or the time to invest in this. But suddenly we started having these young families who were, who were really solid in their faith and who said, we're going to be here for three or four years. Yeah. And at that point they said, we're going to be here for three or four years. We see what, we see what God's doing through you. We see what God's doing through the church. We want to be a part of this. Yeah. And officer uh, off military families, they understand chain of command. Yep. They understand commitment, sacrifice, and so some of, some of the, the churches that are around bases, particularly churches need to be replanted, if they can start a ministry to military folks yeah. and the pastor can be friendly to military folks. Did you have military background or no? No, okay. no, I had no so, military I mean, background. So that's a challenge. But if you right. can connect with some military folks, man, there's some of the best folks you can have yeah. who become worldwide missionaries. Yes. A lot of times they come in knowing, hey, I'm only here for a short time. I'm going to jump yeah. in. I'm going to go ahead and start serving. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we experienced, we, we got a couple who was already leading an officer's Bible study. Oh, and and what I've learned in, in the process of all this is the Air Force is actually a pretty small community, mm-hmm. especially the, the pilots. And so we have a pilot instructor who's, who's who became real involved. And then all of a sudden, people were moving to Alamogordo that he had served with, like in Japan and in D.C. So when they moved to town and started saying, hey, we, we need to connect with the church, he and his wife would say, well, this is where we're going. And so they've already got built-in community. And so over the last two years that we've grown really from about 70 to now we'll run um, in between 100 and 120 nice. on, on a good Sunday. That's great. So you've been there. So five years, 
this year you're becoming self-sustaining. Yeah, I've been here so, three and a half years. So yeah, three and a so, half years. So yeah. So talk about how how you're managing your <laughs> level of debt is because because even though you've been making payments, that then that nine hundred is a huge right. figure. Well, right? so so and y'all still own the land. Yeah, we still own the land. Are there We're, plans to try to sell the land? We are trying. <laughs> okay, so it, is, have, it and, is up for sale. And, and things are starting to move that way. So there was a there's a new McDonald's that was built just adjacent to our property. Oh, sweet. Okay. That will make our land right next to it even more. Now, do you guys have a Chick Fil A in Alamogordo? We do not have a Chick Fil A okay. yet. There's so room. Popeyes. No. <laughs> no. We don't. We don't. We don't. They don't want violence in their community. Oh, they don't want violence and crime in their community. Keep the Louisiana Popeyes chicken. Listen, listen. Popeyes has always been a violent place. It's just recently become more in the news. That's so funny. All right. So commercial. Commercially, there's some. Okay, so there's some possibilities. Try to sell land. My whole approach to that has always been: we're going to do everything we can. That's way out of our control. Right. Yes. I mean, yes. we can't just procure a buyer out of thin air to, to do it. would be awesome, but that's not the way it's worked. And, and so far, the Lord hasn't seen fit to, sure. to sell it. So um, I mean, there's a lot of faith and a lot of patience that are, that's built into there as it's well. It's 23 acres. 23 acres, yeah. That's a, that's a huge part. Yeah, way more than was ever necessary. And that, that's a whole story. Could you put like a, like a dirt track on there or a racetrack <laughs> so, or something like that? Believe it or not, at one point, before I got there, there was actually like talk of doing a water park on there or something like that. Okay. Church-owned water park? or uh, Yeah, I think that was that was part of the idea. Like with baptisms being... But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's would you slide into the... I'm just going to ask. So you guys feel like you're in a, a, a better spot. Yeah, absolutely. Tell, because the culture, the mentality shifted. Right. Are you starting and to? The key to all that is leadership, right? I mean, so we, you know, look, we, we believe in the leading of the Holy Spirit, but in God's Word, He's clearly laid out the office of pastor and elder for, for leadership. And just having, I'm, I'm not the world's most effective leader. I have, I have no illusions about that, but I think just steady, constant, consistent leadership there mm-hmm. has made a big difference. And then time and patience and coming in and, and just reminding folks, you know, even when something goes wrong, look, we're not going to panic because we, we don't believe that any of this took God by surprise. Yeah, it's good. And we're trusting that the Lord's leading and, and that none of this has happened by accident. And so that's my biggest thing. You know, I know um, Mark Clifton will say to potential replanners, if you're not willing to go and spend five years on the minimum, don't go mm-hmm, because right. you will cause more damage than, yeah. than, than not. And I'm certainly seeing that to be true. It just the, the biggest thing in, in replanning is patience because nothing happens fast. Right. And, and so, you know, you've got to go and be patient and, and preach the word of God and love on people and trust that as you do that, the, the Lord's working maybe in ways that you can't even see. And I think often that's, a, that's the case. He's working behind the scenes to accomplish his purposes in your church. You know, there, yeah, there are a lot of sleepless nights <laughs> in, in, in replanting. But boy, that's, I, I don't think I've experienced anything in my life that's stretched my faith as much as the last three and a half years have. Yeah. Let me ask you about this. When a church is in uh, that much debt, and I, I've, I've not pastored a church in that kind of debt, but I've had a lot of friends that have been in those situations yep. that are pastors. And it seems like either they just completely ignore it and just kind of go, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just going to kind of get paid off eventually. Yeah. Or they get so focused on paying off debt yeah. that that starts to become the identity of the church, the mission. right? The mission of the church becomes get rid of this debt. So how have you found that balance of making sure the church is focused on the right mission, but also recognizing we owe almost a million dollars and we have to pay it back. Yeah. And that, that is, that's a tough balance um, because it's easy to get sucked into one of those two yeah. areas. Um, 
when you're paying what equals to a, another staff person's salary to a bank, um, that, that's hard to ignore, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is a glaring yeah. payment that's on that budget sheet every month. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interest only. It doesn't yeah, have to that's right. And you can't let that staff member go. Right. Yeah, no, you can't fire that staff member. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, I, man, you know, I, and I think part of that is just to, to remember that, that, that we don't exist just to pay debt, right? Yeah. Now, now, that's something, and I think there's a witness there that, you know, we don't want to just walk away from it. And because, I mean, those, those discussions have been had too. You know, what right. if we just, what if we yeah, just. Yeah, it's not even the church building. It's just random just, land out there. Yeah. Just let it go. Yeah, what if we just walked away from everything? And I've known some, I've known some churches that yeah. have done that. Where they, and, yeah. and, and I'm not going to say that's never an option. I mean, there, there, there may be no other option. But for, for us, we've, so we've been blessed with a lender that, that um, has a missional focus. You know, and so if you're in a church that has a lot of debt and it is a crippling, a, a crippling burden on the church. My my recommendation would be talk to your lender, and and especially if it's a if it's a church based lender at all, a ministry based lender, and and so the other one, if you're going to borrow one point one million dollars, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to, make sure it's a mission minded lender. Yeah, there's <laughs> that clause about yeah, Christians not so Christians. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so as we wrap up. You're sitting across the table drinking some coffee, black as night, as bold as the gospel. And he says, I'm going to this church. They've got just a stupid amount of debt. Yeah. What advice do you give that guy? <laughs> um, be patient. Again, especially with a lender, what I've learned is communication is key, right? So as you know, if, if the budget is increased and you're able to, to give a little bit more, that's great. Communicate that. If you're in a tight spot and you, for whatever reason, can't make the full payment, communicate that. You want to communicate. And, and I think uh, you want to communicate to your lender. You want to communicate to your people too, because it doesn't do any good if your people's expectations or the lender's expectations don't match reality, mm-hmm. right? So you want to make sure that, that everyone is looking through real glasses at the situation. Yeah. And it might be that a pastor goes into a church and is, I mean, the, the harsh reality that no one's faced is, this is bad, right? Like yeah. this is in a tight spot. And, and yeah. there's so much of that, that that goes into replaying anyway, right? It's it's getting it's awakening churches to the actual reality, not ten years ago or, or five years ago. It's it's where they actually are. And then I like in uh, there's a book called uh, Leadership is an Art written by okay. Max Dupree, and there's a great quote in there. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know, I think that's what what you demonstrated yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Well, and so. two, I think you know, casting a visual. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, replanters are great at diagnosing reality, but they may not be as good at bringing hope. Yeah. In yes. That, right. And so um, that's kind of my personality. So a guy like Halleck, who's just like exudes hope and optimism. You know, you've got, you got, I think Kyle, I hear some threads of hope in your story. Yeah. Um, you know, the story about, you know, committing to the people mm-hmm. and you might've been going to get ready to bring that up. But I think if, if you go in and make a symbolic commitment to the people to say, we're in this together, right? Yeah. right? This is now my debt yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, that changes the nature of a, a relationship between a pastor and a congregation. That's a huge move. And, and for a replanter, that's a unique challenge because, especially if you're stepping into a church that already has debt, um, you're going in 
to solve a problem that you had no part in creating, yeah. right? And and I don't know if anybody else feels this, but but I still feel that pressure, just as and, and it's something I wrestle with the Holy Spirit all the time, because if if for some reason we're not able to pay that debt off, like I I almost feel that as a, as as a as a personal defeat, even though I had no part in the decision to get into that, right? Sure. But yeah. but but you it's, it's identifying you with your people. You gotta marry into it. exactly, yeah. That's right. You, I mean, and, and I think a marriage is a good analogy for a, a pastor in a church is because when, when I accepted the call to pastor First Baptist Church Alamogordo, that, that church is now my home church, right? I mean, that's, that's the church where we serve. And, yep. and so we take on that responsibility and that debt as well. And, and now we figure out how to go forward. And for me personally, it is, it's an opportunity every day for me to wake up and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm laying this at your feet. Um, I'm going to focus on the things I can control, like uh, proclaiming the gospel, right? And discipling yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to raise up leaders and trusting that he has a plan, even with $900,000 in debt. I guess the key is define, define reality, yeah. be honest about where you are, yeah. but also point to hope, be all in, yeah. show, demonstrate that you're all in, you're bought in, this is, this, you're married in, this is your problem now, yeah. but also make sure as a pastor that no one gets distracted. Mm-hmm. and we can't forget why the church exists yeah. and it's not to pay off debt. The thing that brings hope is the gospel, right? And, and that, that's the thing that brings hope to churches in debt, to churches that are struggling, you know, with, with authority issues. The, the gospel is where our hope lies. Yeah. Word. And, and that's, the, that's the thing to just keep communicating over and over and over and over. That's good, man. I appreciate your willingness to, to jump into that with eyes wide open and, yeah. and and point to the gospel. Give us in just the last 30 seconds here, give us a plug. You are now a published author <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Kyle Bierman, uh, <laughs> co-host of the grand illustrious, not another Baptist podcast and co-author of replanting rural yeah. churches. Tell us just, just, so if you're in a church in a rural area <laughs> and uh, I mean, by, by rural, I think, Officially, rural is fifty thousand and under. Uh, so that's a wide, wide that's range. range. Uh, rural ministry brings uh, a lot of blessings. It brings its own set of challenges. And uh, replanting rural churches is a, is a small book that, that Matt Hensley, uh, co-host of the podcast, and I wrote. Um, really, just as an encouragement to guys serving, oftentimes in the middle of nowhere, um, that aren't making it onto SBC conference schedules, or you know, and a lot of times that nobody even knows about but who've been serving faithfully um, and oftentimes for a long time. We just wanted to, we wanted to encourage uh, pastors serving in rural areas. We wanted to challenge maybe guys getting out of seminary and, and considering where they're going to, to consider moving to the middle of nowhere and, and taking on a church and, and, and just encouraging them to do the four things we talk about in replaying to, uh, to preach the word of God, to pray passionately for your people, to love your people and then to stay, to stick around. So. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, yep. Kyle. Uh, man, if this has been a blessing to you, we would love it if you would subscribe, share with your friends, let us know how we can better serve you. Send us your questions so you can be part of the conversation as well. We always want to thank our sponsor, 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. They've just launched two awesome new products to help churches, church plants, and replants. The first is called Launchpad. It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundle developed specifically for planters, replanters, and revitalizers who need to get things moving quickly. The second is called Church QuickSight. It was created for churches working with tight budgets and can help them have an amazing new church website in as little as one week at a really affordable price. Check out 180.church to learn more about these special new offerings and how 180 
can help your church move forward.